Hey everybody, wasn't that an incredible time of worship and just lifting up the name of Jesus. What a wonderful name that is, Jesus. Name above all names, every name that can be named, that name is above it all. And uh, just want to welcome you again today, wherever you're watching, whatever family church congregation you're a part of, or if you've joined our journey during this time of lockdown and the last few months. My name's Andy Elms, and I'm the senior leader of Family Church, and we're just really, really excited that you're with us today. Today I'm debuting and test driving a new Bible. Don't you love it when you get a new Bible? Somebody kindly sent me a new Bible because they were watching over the last few weeks and saw that mine was falling to bits and the maps were coming out. It was a well-used Bible, and uh, all of a sudden I got given this new Bible, so I'm kind of test driving that today and, and breaking that new Bible in, but hey, big thanks to the person that did that. Listen, we're so glad that you're with us today, and we're just trusting that today you're going to hear a word from the Lord that's going to cause something in your life to come to a new level. Now, we've been, as a church community, in 21 days of fasting, and uh, we're still in 21 days of fasting. And this is day 17 for us. And I pray that during however you're fasting and praying, you're experiencing a fresh presence of God, a fresh encounter with him, but also that you're beginning to hear the rumbles of breakthrough. Remember, with uh, this age in which we live, which is uh, in the moment, we want everything now, often prayer and fasting doesn't work that way. Often when we read about Daniel, uh, for example, he prayed for 21 days and he fasted for 21 days and then the breakthrough came afterwards. So our, our prayer for you is that you're experiencing um, a closeness with God, a richness with God, and breakthrough during this time of prayer and fasting, but also that you're setting your gaze towards the rest of the year, knowing that the Lord is releasing good things for you in it. Now, as a church community, we're committed to this time of prayer and fasting, and our messages have been in line with seeking him. Obviously, when we go into a time of prayer and fasting, we're really turning our attention away from other things, <coughs> other distractions. We're laying aside distractions, but we're not doing that just to be distraction-free. We're doing that to pursue him, to seek him in a new way, to find him in new ways. You know, the Bible says that when we, when we draw close to him, he draws close to us. And our messages over the last few weeks <coughs> have been in line with our, our prayer and, excuse me, <coughs> in line with our prayer and fasting. And they're all about, Lord, would you do in us what you need to do? do you, would you do in us what you'd like to do, Lord? They've been progressive. What do I mean by that? They've been following on from each other. So let's look at the journey that we've taken together um, through January as it is already. Two weeks ago, we spoke about awakening, being awoken to God and uh, being awoken to, number one, his presence, him, but also awoken to his purposes. And we spoke about the kiss of the prince, that Sleeping Beauty needed the kiss of the prince to awaken from her slumber. And in the same way, we need the touch of the Holy Spirit, just that fresh touch of the Holy Spirit to awaken us from any slumber <coughs> that we may have known or been um, experiencing. And then we followed on last week with the thoughts on consecration. And by consecration, we meant that we choose now to live set apart for him when we understand that we've been awoken by him, that the Holy Spirit has awoken our hearts to the Lord, to a real relationship with the Lord, the next thing that we're to do is to consecrate our lives, to say, Lord, our lives are now set apart for you and for your purposes. 
we shared last week that there's a difference between belonging to God and being set apart for God. That through salvation, you belong to God. He purchases your life from captivity, slavery and sin and brings you into his wonderful family. But then it's down to us to then say, Lord, this life that you saved, this life that you've redeemed, I now set apart for you. And uh, we just want to apologise again for any tech problems last week. They were out of our control. But so thankful for our media team that was able to upload the full message from last week by the end of the day last Sunday. And it's there for you to watch. If you've not yet caught up on the whole message, I would encourage you to do so. So we concluded last week gathering around Romans 12, that when we understand that we have been awoken by God to be his, that we understand that we want our lives to be set apart for him now, that leads us to a place where just daily, in a very natural way, we present our lives to him, um, no longer our own. Like Paul said so well, my life is no longer my own. I was bought with a price. You know, it's no longer I that live, but Christ, but now live in me and I live for his purposes on the earth. And I want to look again at where we left off last week, these incredible verses in Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's great mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, your lives now as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. It doesn't say holy, it says holy and pleasing to God. You see, the Lord has made us who were unholy holy so that he could fill us with his Holy Spirit. Our righteousness and our holiness is nothing that we've done or achieved, but what he's freely given us in Christ. But it says that now we bring these lives that are holy to him and we say, Lord, let them be holy and pleasing and set apart for your purposes. It says this is your true and proper worship. No longer conform to the way you used to live, the patterns of the world, but now be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Allow the word of God to renew your mind concerning what you think, not about some things, but about all things. Now, when we understand being awoken, remember I said this message is progressive, it continues on into the next layer. We understand we've been awoken and we understand that our lives are now to be consecrated, set apart for his purposes. This leads us to another conclusion or key decision we need to make. Will we now live lives that are submitted to him? We're his. He purchased us with the blood of his own son, Jesus Christ. Our lives are now to be set apart. We're saying that, Lord, let my life be set apart for you. But the question that we find ourselves with this morning is will we now choose to live submitted to him? Will we live our lives into, in submission to the leading of his spirit in our life, to the word that he's given us, the blueprint, the instruction book that we're to live by, and also his ways. We have a choice. God gave us a choice, even pertaining our salvation. A person can choose to go to hell. They don't have to. But God gave us choice. Will we choose now not to just say, Lord, our lives are set apart for you, but also, Lord, we choose now to submit to your will over our own. Let's backtrack again just to keep everybody on the journey. We've already established the last few weeks, the beginning of January, but my life now belongs to him. We've established, I want this life that now belongs to him to be set apart for him, for his purposes. So now it's quite natural for us to realise we need to submit our lives 
daily, again, like it says in Romans, not a one-off event, but daily, we say, Lord, I present my life to you and I submit my life to you, to your word, to your spirit and to your ways. The submission of our will to his is again another, I believe, rise or fall moment for believers because of the choice that God's given us, enabled us to have. A person could say, well, I don't want to submit. I want to do what I want to do, exactly what Adam did in the garden. But God said, this is my way for you. This is my provision for you. This is my way of a perfect life that I've provided for you. But Adam said, I would rather do this. And in doing that, he chose not to submit to God's will, but actually that which was his own, inspired, obviously, by the devil. Um, it's another rise and fall moment. As believers, we're followers of Jesus Christ. I can't answer for you, and you can't answer for me. Will we now, because we understand we belong to him, submit all of our ways to him on a daily basis? Because submission isn't a popular word. It's not a popular word in the society that we're living in, with all the rights that it apparently affords us. When we speak a word like submission, people are like, oh, I don't like that word. Well, we shouldn't just like it, we should love it when it comes to walking with the Lord. People would rather say, oh, I belong to God, but I still do what I want to do. That would be a more convenient um, style or type of Christianity, but it's not a Christianity that the Bible endorses um, for experiencing the best of God. We don't just say, Lord, I belong to you, now I do what I want still, but rather, Lord, I belong to you, and now I want to live by the assisting of your Holy Spirit, to be living in submission to your will and to your ways. This is, this is actually a biblical um, key thought for us today. Submission may not be popular in the world that we live, the natural world that we're, we function in, yet submission is a biblical principle and a key aspect that God wants us to understand. There's much teaching of it in his word. So we submit to a number of things, don't we, according to Scripture. If we make Scripture the blueprint for our submission, we understand that we're to submit to God. And uh, let me read you a verse that's relative to that. There's many more, but here's just one from James 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Sometimes people don't experience the fleeing of the enemy like they could because there's an issue in their submission to God. The Bible says we don't resist the devil. First, we make sure that our lives are in submission to the Lord. And then when we resist the devil, he has no choice, he has to flee. But also the word of God, and again, to the annoyance of some in this modern age, teaches us that we're to have submission to government and authority. And again, that's probably caused somebody to shift around on the couch a little bit, but the Bible teaches it. Let me give you some verses, there's many actually, especially in the epistles regarding how we should live in submission to the authority and the government that's in place. Romans 13, verses 1 to 2. And it's amazing that this follows on after Romans 12. Romans 12 said that we're to present ourselves to God daily, living sacrifices. And then Romans 13, verses 1 to 2 says this. Let everyone be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority uh, except that which God has established. 
the authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against God and what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. The Lord isn't speaking here of supernatural or spiritual government. We have authority over principalities and powers in his name. He's speaking of natural government and authorities, and he's saying to us in an anti-authoritarian age, listen, the biblical pattern is to understand that God is a God of authority. He establishes authority. And as long as authority isn't asking us to do anything that denies him, anything that's immoral or indeed illegal, then we should submit our lives to authority. Not when we like it or we think it's correct, Authority we submit to will stand before God for their leading of us. We're called, not just in this passage, but throughout the epistles, to live lives that, are, that demonstrate um, a submission to the authority, recognising that God is the giver and the, the one who institutes it. Titus 3, verse 1, again, there's so many verses, I've just grabbed a couple. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient to be ready to do whatever is good. So I'm just doing what Titus instructed us to do. I'm reminding you today, let us be subject to rulers and authorities in our life. Now, it's interesting. We speak of authority to God. We speak of submission to God, sorry. We speak of submission to authority and rulers or government. But then also the Bible endorses the submission to church leadership. And this again can be um, a hot potato for some, but yet it's in the word, so it needs to be in our lives. Let me read to you from Hebrews 13 regarding submission to church leadership. Not the leadership of the land in this context, but the leadership of those who God has placed over our lives to lead us in a spiritual way. Hebrews 13 verse 17 says, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account for you. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden or a pain in the neck, as I would uh, add to that. Do this so that, that leading you would be a joy and not a burden, for, for that would be of no benefit to you if leading you was a burden. The Passion Translation colours it in a little bit further and says, Obey your spiritual leaders and recognise their authority, for they keep watch over your soul without resting, since they will have to give an account to God for their work and their leading and their oversight of your life. That's a big responsibility. It's one that keeps me on my knees to tell you the truth, that one day I'm going to have to stand as a shepherd before the great shepherd and give an account for how I cared for and led his people. Now, the Bible, can you see there, speaks to us of, of not being unsubmissive, but being submissive, not to everyone and certainly never the devil, but to the authority that God places in position. Again, submission isn't a word that some people like in modern Christianity, but it is a key word for us. Now, what causes us to walk in submission, the glue of our submission, I think we can find in Ephesians 5.21. And it says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The thing that should make us want to submit to God is our revelation of God, but our what makes us submit to one another is, according to Ephesians, simply our reverence and our respect for Christ. Now, another way of putting submission to me would be we're all in. 
we're all in. Everything that we are is in this now. We're not holding anything back. We're all in, not just for the bits that we like, but we're choosing to live all in for God now. Why? Because he's the one that awoke us. He's the one that we said we wanted our lives to be set apart for. And now we say, Lord, we're all in to your will and to your ways, even when we don't appreciate or enjoy your will and your ways. You see, when we consider Aaron again, like we did last week, Aaron was a priest in the Old Testament. We read about him in Exodus 28, verse 4, and it says that Aaron's life was consecrated for God. He was consecrated for the purposes of God. It actually says that he was set apart to serve God. The moment that Aaron was set apart to serve God, it was no longer about what uh, Aaron uh, willed or what Aaron wanted. It was about him now living submitted daily to what God wanted. And that was his reasonable service. And for us, like it says in Romans 12, for us to daily present our lives, but also submit our lives, the things we want to and the things we don't, is nothing more, it's nothing extreme. It's just merely our true worship to the Lord. Now, it's amazing how we are all in with other things in life. We get new interests, we get new relationships, and we don't hold back. We choose, I'm going to be all in this. I'm eccentric by nature. You've probably worked that out. If you've been around me, you know, I can't do anything in a half measure. I'm all in. When I do something, I'm in for life. When I gave my life back to Christ after being backslidden eight years, I was all in. I didn't know what that meant, but I was all in. The, the, the cross was before me. The world was behind me. But when I look back on my life, I see that it's actually a trait, not just for me, but for you, that I've always been all in when I've been passionate or I believe something is good or true. There was a time when I was highly influenced as a young man around the age of 12 by rock and roll. I remember watching Elvis on TV and uh, thinking that guy is like so cool. He is Icebox. He is, he is like that is cool, I want to be Elvis, which is not very good when you're kind of in school in like the 70s and the 80s because that wasn't very common. But I was committed. When I heard rock and roll, I was like, I am in this. And I can show you photos. I, I got the Brill Cream out. My hair was Brill Creamed back. I went down to a shop that was in Portsmouth at those times called Shirt King. And I got myself some Teddy Boy clothes. I got myself some Winkle Pickers luminous socks because there was a rig that went with being a teddy boy or a rock and roll fan you had to have the hair it was called a da at the back lying down some of the older people watching are like yeah we're with you andy and i was a teddy boy out of my time <coughs> i really was and i'd been inspired by watching greece and john travolta and elvis and i was like i am in this rock and roll i wanted to be a rock and roll singer i actually got to sing on um the stage at South Parade Pier and other places as a rock and roll singer, hair gelled back, um, rolled up jeans, uh, moccasins one day, winkle pickers the next day. If you, if you looked at my socks, they weren't ordinary socks. These were teddy boy socks. They were pink, they were orange, they were luminous. I had the, the boot neck tie where you just had two like laces. I, I, I was rigged out. Later on, I bought a full drape. I was walking there. With, I, I was in, I was in. And you'll be glad to know I'm over that stage now. I um, appreciate Elvis, but no longer serve him. I have a living king that I live for now. But 
when, when, when I heard rock and roll, I couldn't, I thought, I want everything. There were other times where I took up, there were many things that I took up, but I was always all in, I asked my dad. I remember I, I suddenly thought, I'm going to be a sub-aqua diver. And um, I, I went and got all the kit, I got the tanks, I got, I actually had a, a, a wetsuit made, and they said, what colours do you want? I said, I want it to look like Spider-Man, this is true. <laughs> I had a Spider-Man wetsuit, so that when I was swimming underwater with my tanks on sub-aqua, blowing bubbles, when people looked behind, they saw Spider-Man coming at them, so I just thought that would add some entertainment beneath the waves. But I had to rig, and suddenly all of my attention, all of my affection, I've got to get in the ocean, I've got, I've got to get in a swimming pool and practice. I mean, midwinter, I had a dry suit. I, I actually went through a hole in ice one time and dived under the ice. My face was freezing with a dry suit. I was in, all in. And you've done that as well. Some of you are train spotters. I don't get that. Um, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't understand that way of thinking, but I, I can applaud you for your commitment. And for a train spotter, once they realise the joy of finding numbers on the front of trains, they're all in. Um, they invest in the Mac, the, the mandatory blue Mac, the, the weather Mac. They get the book with all the, 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 the numbers of the trains. They rise early and sit on a station with an egg and, and, and crest sandwich to watch. They're all in. Now, I could go through different things in your life. I've been honest and confessed some of mine. Why are we not all in with God when he's actually the one who doesn't deserve a bit of us, but all of us? Jesus put it this way when he was asked, what's the best commandment or what's the truest commandment by a Pharisee that was trying to catch him out? In Luke 10, verse 27, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength. And with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. What was Jesus saying? Be all in. Don't give God a bit of you. Don't give his plans for your life a bit of you. You've said that you want to be consecrated, set apart for his purposes. Now be in full submission to every good thing he wants to teach you, do in you and indeed do through you. Now this is relative not just to God but also to his church, because we understand that Paul teaches very clearly that Christ is the head of the church. But we together, we're the body of Christ. Many bricks make up this incredible temple called the church, the body of Christ. And when we look at the subject of submission, it's an admirable thing to say, Father, I'm submitted to you now. But it's actually a correct thing to also be committed to his body, submitted to his body being a part of what his body's doing. There's many Christians that just want to be a part of what the head's doing, but we need more Christians to be a part of what the body's doing because the body is outworking the intentions of the head. You see, the church, us, we're not just making this up as we go along. We're seeking the Lord for his will, his desire, his plans. And then as his body joined to him, we live to outwork those plans, which means sometimes it takes our time, our finances, our energy. It takes a number of things. But because we're living consciously in submission to God, because we desire to, suddenly serving the body is as important to us as worshipping the head. It's an easy thing to worship the head. We can all do that anytime we want. 
but can we serve the body? Because when we have a revelation of submission to the head and the plans of God being worked through the body of Christ, remember we're one body with many parts, suddenly it makes the experience of being church a lot easier for everybody. Because often within church you have the few doing much and the much watching. What if we could create a submission not only to the Father, but to his intentions for us on the earth as his body? Suddenly I believe it would be a better experience for those that do too much. But also we could have a greater effect on the world. The more who are involved, the more we can do and the quicker we can do it. So this needs to be, I believe, for us a daily lifestyle, not a momentary experience. We can speak about submission and go, oh, yeah, I remember back in, in 1998, I submitted something to God. Good on you. But it should be a daily thing in our lives. And the benefit of submission comes from a daily posturing before the Lord in submission. I had this thought when I was work, walking down the road yesterday that all the gyms are shut. And uh, I would normally go into the gym for passionate moments. Like I wouldn't go to the gym for weeks. And then suddenly I would be inspired and I would go to the gym and I'd go all out and be aching for the next four days. But actually during lockdown, I just set myself some simple disciplines just to do some press-ups every day and some exercise every day, some walking and some press-ups every day. And I'm not saying that I currently look like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger or anything like that or, 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 or Rocky in, in, in the great epic films, Rocky. But I've seen a physical change in my body, my shoulders and the upper half of my body because I've realised it's not good to do something passionately every now and then. It's better to live with a revelation or a lifestyle of doing something. And as we do, that benefits our life over and over again. And again, this takes us back to Romans 12. We choose to not have moments of submission, but daily moments where we come before the Lord each day and present our lives to him. But also in our presenting our life to him, we say, Lord, here I am, holy, but also wholly available to you. I don't want a partial commitment to who you are in my life because you showed no partial commitment to me. Now, it comes back to two things, really, doesn't it? Two simple things. Comes back to number one, how we see our lives. Are our lives still our own or do they truly belong to him? We went last week into great detail of speaking of how he bought our lives to be his. And now he waits for us to consecrate our lives for his purposes. But this is a question we have to ask individually. Are our lives still our own? Do we still do what we want when it doesn't agree with what he says he wants. That's the subject of submission. Submission will cause us to rise and fall in his purposes, probably greater than most other things. And number two, the question is, whose will now comes first in our life? Is it ours or is it his? When the Lord asked us to do something that we like and we have a will for, we say, yes, Lord, I'll do that. But what about when the Lord says, I need you to stop doing that. I need you to forgive that person. My, my, my will for you is to submit to me in what I'm instructing you to do that isn't favourable to your own will. What do we do in that moment? Because that's actually what proves whether we have a lifestyle of submission or just random moments 
We're to live as believers and followers of Jesus, those who belong to God, continually, the best that we can, submitted to his spirit, submitted to his word, and submitted to his ways. Now, God's plan for us is to be a people awoken by his spirit, set apart for his use, submitted to his will. When we tie all these messages together from the last three weeks, we're left with who we're meant to be. A people who have been awoken by his spirit, who are now set apart for his use and submitted to his will. Imagine with me what a people like that on the earth could achieve. Imagine with me if we suddenly had a revival or an awakening and all across England, people were saying, no longer my will, Lord, but yours. Lord, you've awoken me by your spirit. Lord, I want my life to be used by you. No longer the devil, it's not his property anymore. I don't present my life to him anymore. I present my, but also, Lord, I'm saying your will done your way in my life. In fact, we don't have to imagine, do we? I posed the question, imagine if people began to live like that in, in, in wholesale. Read the book of Acts. All of the great things that we celebrate, that we see happening in the book of Acts, happened because God was God, but also a group of people were all in. They were sold out. We read about different People in the Old Testament, I think of Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego, when they had to go into a furnace or deny God. In that moment, they said, we're all in. Daniel, when he was going into the lion's den, could have said, I'm not up for this. He said, I'm all in. The disciples that we read about in the book of Acts, most of them were martyred except John. He was boiled in oil, they couldn't kill him, so they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos. All of the other disciples were martyred for following Jesus Christ. Today, around the world, people are being martyred because all that they're choosing to do is not deny Jesus Christ. These are lives that are saying, not in word, but in action, I'm all in. I'm all in. Lord, my life is now completely yours. You see, when we read the book of Acts, all we read is the effects on the world of a group of people that have stepped out of partial in to all in. I want to challenge you as I'm praying and fasting this 21 days, I'm hearing the Lord saying to me, be all in, Andy. And I'm saying, Lord, everything that's not, I bring it in now. I put all my chips on red. I put every chip that I am on one number. And Lord, you're that number. You see, when you're all in with God, it doesn't just honour God, it blesses you. Because he is able to, to bring blessing into the areas that you've now submitted to him. If we don't submit an area of our life, like I referred to during the offering today, a slice of who we are to the Lord, then how can we experience the blessing we're asking him for in that section? Submission isn't a bad thing. When you understand the power of what God can do in your life when you are submitted, it's actually an exciting thing because he can only bless what is submitted or given over to him. The word of God says he is able to keep that which is committed to him. When we live 
our daily lives, not moments that happen every now and then, but our daily lives, submitting everything we are to the Lord because we understand that we are now his. We suddenly release God to be able to bring great blessing, grace upon those areas. We want to live all in and not partially in so we can experience everything that God's got for us. I won't take the time to speak on this story, but there's an interesting story that we read about in 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 18. And it's the prophet Elisha. And he's having um, an interesting moment with King Jeroboam. And there's a prophetic thing that happens in this moment that I want you to grasp at the end of this message. The king had some battles he needed to face. Elisha was actually getting ready to die. This was one of the last things he did before we went to be with the Lord. And the king has got these battles and these victories that he needs. And the prophet turns to him, as prophets did in those days, with some weird instructions. He said, pick up your bow and arrows and shoot them out the window. But firstly, strike the arrows on the ground. And you can read this story again, a strange account. But it says that the king heard the instruction of the Lord and he took the arrows and he casually banged them a few, a few times. Bang, 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 bang. He was obedient, but he wasn't all in. You see, Elisha had said, you need to bang the hour, arrows on the floor, not tap them, not gently go through the motions. And so the king, not really knowing the significance of the moment at hand, just taps the arrows a few times. And then Elisha shakes his head. He said, is that it? He said, because you've been casual with the tapping of the arrows, you will win certain victories and battles, but you won't win the war like God intended you to. Man, in that moment, I reckon the king would want to go back and grab those arrows again and pound them on the floor. Because God's agenda for the king was a complete victory in every area of his life. But because he partially responded, all right, Lord, paddocate, paddocate, baker's man, hit the arrows casually on the floor to do what God was saying, but wasn't submitting. Lord, if this is the way forward, even though I don't understand it, I like to imagine that in that moment, if I could live it, knowing what happened in this moment, I would thrash those arrows on the floor until my hand was bleeding, until every one of them was broke. I'd like to imagine I'd be on the floor going, have you had enough yet, God, or do you want some more? But I would do that because I was conscious that the victories of my life, the other side of this moment, were dependent on whether I was approaching this in a casual way or indeed I was all in for what God was doing. Finally, we choose to live <clears throat> our life's all in because he lived and died all in for us. Jesus always models for us the things he asks us to do. And when we look at Jesus and we look at the message of the cross, the message that we preach to this generation, a message that they need to hear so desperately, we see a message that God so loved us that in his justice and in his love, he took the bill upon himself to bring us to himself restored. And we see that that bill was Jesus Christ dying on a cross. The son of God, the word of God become flesh, coming to the earth to die on a cross. If you look at what was involved in a crucifixion, 
you had to be all in. You say, well, he was taken and he was crucified. No, he could have got off the cross any moment he wanted. He said, don't think for a moment that I couldn't call a legion of angels to get me off this cross and destroy the lot of you. But he remained on the cross because he knew the shedding of his blood was the price that would enable us to come from separation back into union with God, back into the family of God. But we see with Jesus that there was a moment he had a choice because remember, like us, Jesus had a human nature. And like us now as born again believers, he had a divine nature. But he lived his life sinless because he kept his human nature under and subject to the divine nature, the the nature of the spirit that was in him. And he instructs us now to live that way, but you never will unless you have a heart for submission. But we have that moment in the Garden of Gethsemane where there was a collision of wills and a needing for submission. In his humanity, Jesus looked at what was coming because he knew what was going to happen. He knew that they were going to pull the beard from his face. They knew that they were going to thrust thorns upon his head. They knew that they were going to whip him relentlessly, that they were going to strip him naked, hang him in front of his mother, which was the most embarrassing thing that could happen to a Jewish young man. He knew he'd come in the volume of the book. He wasn't surprised by what happened. But then we see him before they take him to be punished and tried in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's overwhelmed in his humanity of what lays ahead of him. But he looks through that to us being saved. It says, for the joy that lay ahead of him, he endured the cross. But it's that moment where he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he knows that he's got to press go and start on the process of saving us. This humanity also knows what lays ahead. What a moment to choose if you're submitted or not. Hmm. He could have said no, and he would have been restored to the right-hand side of a father, but we would have been lost. And we hear these words that are well-known words, that are words of a submissive heart, even in the face of things that are unpleasant. Lord, if there's any way that this cup, this moment, can pass from me, if I can get out of this in any way, Father, please, 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 please. But if not, not my will be done, but yours. And the moment he said that, he pressed go on such torment and assault on his physical body, on who he was. We can never even imagine what he went through when that darkness in that moment came upon him. The sins of the world came upon him. The perversity of the world came upon him so that we could be free from it. But then he was hung on a cross and beaten. But he was the one that started the process that would save us by choosing to be in submission to the will and the plans of his father and not his own preferences. I hope this has spoken to you today. I want us to come out of our 21 days of fasting a people who are awoken by the Spirit. We've experienced the kiss of the Prince. A people that have said, all right, Lord, you own me, but I also want my life to now be set apart for your purposes. But also a people that say, Lord, we're going to add some meat to this. We're not going to be shallow in saying that. Lord, I want to submit my life to you, to the authority, to your body, that your will and your ways 
would be seen and done in this life that now belongs to you. Maybe you're watching today and you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus. Maybe you've never asked him to forgive you for your sins, to enjoy him bringing you into his family, to experience a new birth, a new beginning. Oh, the good news is you can do that right now, in this moment, right now. You haven't got to wait, you haven't got to pay penance or say Hail Marys, all of that stuff is man-made additives. The Bible says you're to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you will be saved. I want to lead you in a prayer today because maybe you're watching this and you've never given your life to Jesus. Or maybe you're watching this and you did and in this moment of confusion called lockdown and COVID, you're saying, I need something that's stable and certain in my life. Christ is that something, that someone. Just as we choose to submit to God, you have to choose to receive the gift of salvation. No one can force it upon you. I'm going to pray today and lead you in a simple prayer. And when I say amen at the end, I want to invite you to say amen with me. And that's going to be your confession that the prayer that you've prayed or I've prayed is your prayer also. The Bible says in that moment, you move from being an enemy of God to being a friend of God. Let's always remember also that we've spoken a lot about now being owned by him, but we're not slaves we're his children. In the context of understanding our lives now belonging to him, a slave being bought at a marketplace is a very good analogy. But in reality, the Bible says that the Lord has now made us sons and daughters of God. Wow, what a privilege. The moment you say amen and you choose to acknowledge Christ died for you at the cross, you pass from death to life, from being an enemy to being family. And a new beginning starts, a fresh start. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for my sins. Thank you that Jesus, you came to deliver me from the life that Adam positioned me in. And to bring me into the family of God where I'm an heir to the father and a joint heir to the son. A new creation with no past. Sin forgiven, an open highway of God's goodness ahead. I simply choose to believe in you, Jesus, and accept you and acknowledge you as the Son of God and my Lord and Saviour. Forgive my sins, forgive everything I've ever done. Wash away those things with your precious blood and let me be found today in possession of a brand new life. Amen. 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 Hey, just say it nice and loud. Amen. Amen. Let it be to you according to his word. I hope you've enjoyed today. We've been on this in incredible journey together the last few weeks where God's been doing so much in me. And I hope that he's also been doing so much in you. Let's just purpose to stay awake because we are the awoken. Stay set apart because we are the consecrated. And stay submitted to his spirit, his word, his will and his ways. See you next week. God bless.